marketing very much has to be kind of the most responsive function within the organization. We have to be responsive to other um, team members in within the organization, whether that's um, the product team, the customer support team, whatever it is, we've got to kind of roll with the punches and oftentimes are having to kind of run an internal agency where making t-shirts for for one of the teams and we're you know helping support this customer support event or whatever it might be and so we've got to be responsive to other team members in the organization this is digital marketing Hey everyone, this is Mark DeGrasse, the president of Digital Marketer, and this is the podcast that keeps you up to date on everything you need to know when it comes to digital marketing, from the platforms you'd be focused on to the kind of tactics and tools that are working today. Today, our guest is Davis Fossis, the CMO of Staccato, and he's worked with multiple companies that have gone over $100 million, uh, one of which he was the CMO for. Uh, so welcome, Dave. Hey, thanks for having me. All right. So I think just starting out, you know, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about the role of CMO. I think statistically, we all know that the CMO is the, uh, you know, shortest duration uh, C-suite member. <laughs> so maybe we kind of talk about why the stat is that way and kind of your experience with uh, that role within organizations. Sure. Uh, yeah, the the data has been, I think, relatively consistent. Uh, average tenure of a CMO is about 40 months, which is just over three years. And and I think that there is, you know, contributing factors on the CMO side, and I think also on the organizational side. On the organizational side, I think marketing is obviously a a very increasingly kind of specialized role where uh, it's be, become more and more difficult for, I think, other C-level members to kind of understand everything that the CMO has to do to actually get the job done. And I also think that there's increasingly kind of nearsightedness amongst organizations where they're hiring a CMO specifically to try to tackle one of the near-term challenges for the organization. So that might be, we really need to you know, accelerate growth. And so we need to um, develop a, a sales pipeline and demand generation capabilities. You know, In another case, it might be, well, we've actually developed the demand gen capabilities in the funnel, but... The challenge is, that the salespeople are having is that nobody recognizes our name. And so we actually have to go develop the brand. And any one of those kind of situations, oftentimes what the organization is doing is hiring a CMO that specializes in that area, demand generation, brand marketing, product marketing, whatever it might be. And once they've kind of uh, resolved that, that issue or gained a lot of traction on that issue and have a, whatever the next issue is, they feel like they've got to go hire the next CMO who can go tackle that situation instead of it being a, a scenario where the CMO can evolve with the organization and actually be the driver and help that organization evolve through its different phases. So I think that's the challenge on the organizational side that CMOs are having. And um, you know, to varying degrees, we are, we are either succeeding or not succeeding as CMOs in educating the organization the rest of our uh, of our C-suite team members, our board and investors around what we're doing as a CMO to be able to help that organization evolve. Um, and, and so that kind of gets me to, you know, I think the challenges that we have on the CMO side that are contributing to that, which, which are that I think we oftentimes get um, 
kind of myopic about actual you know development of the strategy and executing on the strategy. And we are not spending enough time educating our other C-suite team members and like I said, board and investors on our role, what we're doing and helping them to kind of come along on that journey. Um, and so I think as CMOs in general, um, we can we can do a better job of that. And then frankly, I think part of the challenge is as CMOs, by nature, we're oftentimes just, we, we thrive on innovation, we thrive on taking on new challenges, we thrive on you know, creativity. And so it makes that hard to stay with one organization over a longer period of time because you kind of get through three years or about three years and you go, okay, I think I'm ready for the next challenge. I want to go find the next brand to go tackle. And so I think we're we're dealing with it on both sides, but we got to figure out you know, something um, to kind of create a little bit more longevity and recognize the value that the CMO is bringing. Oh, that's a, that's a fantastic synopsis. Uh, I love the point about how, you know, essentially a lot of companies just hire CMOs as a bandaid for their current marketing ailment. And it's like, okay, got the problem fixed. It's all healed. You can go now. <laughs> and then on the flip side, I, I love how you include the other side where it's like, yeah, CMOs uh, typically, I think, are more on their creative side. You know, you do have that kind of like analytical CMO where all they care about statistics. That one probably integrates a little bit better, but doesn't bring the creativity that is necessary for big growth. You know, they might be fixing like, OK, we're going to fix your approach. Uh, it turns out that uh, customer service is your big issue. And even though you could get the sale, you don't keep the sale because you don't service it properly. So the CMO could kind of acknowledge that work with your customer care team to involve those kind of marketing elements. And then now you fixed it. But like you're saying, then now the CMO's board or the company is like, well, yeah, but TikTok's a thing now. And so why aren't we doing TikTok? And then you're like, I don't do social media, really. <laughs> and it goes into this whole uh, cycle that you're talking about. Yeah, well, I think that also speaks to the the complexity of marketing today. We've got CMOs that come from such a variety of backgrounds, right? You might have a CMO that's that's younger that came up from social media, and so that's that th that is their you know expertise, or someone that came from more digital and is more you know demand gen, uh, SEO, SEM focused. You have someone that came from the brand side. You know, for me, I came from agency side and did, was doing a lot of consulting on brand strategy, brand brand planning, and things like that. And so, you've got CMOS that are arriving at this role from a variety of different backgrounds, and sometimes, not all the times, they're they're just not as expert in all the areas of marketing. To some extent, yeah, there's there is this kind of level of focus because that's the specialization that the CMOS has created. Um, in their own career versus kind of really focusing on having a, a, a much deeper understanding of all the different elements that go into marketing today. Mm. No, I, I think that's that's spot on too, because I think it is, I mean, we all have our superpower, right? You're like, okay, we're a right. T-shaped marketer. We know all the things, but we specialize in one area and that's kind of where we end up uh, pushing things towards whatever. So you got a hammer, you know, everything's a nail. Uh, so do you, you think there's a way we could change the perception of the role of CMO? Because I know with a lot of organizations, the CMO is kind of like, oh, that's optional or that's necessary sometimes. But when it comes to like the CFO or the you know COO or any of the other uh, C-levels, they kind of see the marketers like, okay, yeah, you're like a bolt-on, but we could take off that bolt-on, put something else on. Whereas the way I looked at it was that, you know, if you don't integrate the marketing function throughout the entire organization, 
and and kind of reflect the values and stuff that you're trying to communicate through marketing that those functions aren't uh you know optimized for marketing so do you think do you have an approach for kind of um you know coming to the other c level uh you know workers and saying hey we need to talk about marketing within finance or operations yeah great question i think there's a there's a there's a couple elements to my answer there the first is I really like bringing case studies to the table, right? And so along with whatever I'm presenting as the marketing strategy or the you know core brand strategy that we're gonna execute on in all areas of marketing, whatever it is, I like to bring in key case studies from other brands to bring credibility to what I'm doing. Hmm. I think phase two of that is really working to get outside um, CMOs or other marketing leaders and, and, and thought leaders to come in and speak to your executive team, your investors, or even possibly the broader organization to add another layer of credibility. Well, here's the CMO who built this great brand that you're very familiar with and how they approached it. And, and here's how we're using that case study for our organization so we can go along our similar path to create that next level of credibility where, where, you know, whether or not, you know, about marketing, there's always a level of aspiration that you have around the brand that you want to create the, the, the company that you want to create and how it's going to be perceived and, and grow. And so I think you bring in other executives that have done it well to, to create more credibility for you as, as an executive um, and for the work that you're doing. And then the third thing is, marketing very much has to be kind of the most responsive function within the organization. We have to be responsive to other team members in within the organization, whether that's um, the product team, the customer support team, whatever it is, we've got to kind of roll with the punches and oftentimes are having to kind of run an internal agency. We're making t-shirts for, for one of the teams and we're, you know, helping support this, customer support event or whatever it might be. And so we've got to be responsive to other team members in the organization. Um, but what we, and we also have to be responsive to what's happening in culture and society and to, and what we're learning, you know, from consumers. And so there's this intrinsic need to be a responsive kind of agile function within the organization. Having said that, one of the things that I'm going, you know, I'm thinking about as I go into my second, you know, tenure as a as a CMO, um, is helping to frame marketing in a very similar light to how you think about product. I think product has has gotten a lot of traction and buy in on this idea of having kind of an agile or a Scrum kind of approach to product development, shorter term product roadmaps, really figuring out what is going to be feasible in this next quarter, in this first half of the year, whatever it might be, and, and, and kind of responding appropriately to the amount that we're able to do within, within the quarter. Marketing has never really treated itself with that level of organization. And, I, and so one of the things that I'm gonna do uh, at Staccato as I'm entering my role here, um, I'm only on my second week, um, but is framing marketing as having a similar approach to how product approaches their roadmap as far as what we're going to be doing for for the brand uh, and for growth for the organization. And there are going to be things that we are going to really prioritize and hold tight on what the roadmap is for marketing. And we're going to leave a little bit of room here to continue to be responsive to things that come up, 
you know, ad hoc in the organization. So we can still feel like we're being responsive, responsive, we're still being collaborative, but we are actually getting the big boulders that we need to get done over the next year, two, three years in a, in a really productive way. I love that. I mean, it's a very uh, complicated role <laughs> that he just described. It's like, okay, you got to know the company. You got to know your customer. You got to know all the trends in the market. Then you got to know how to handle the other managers. Then you got to, it's, it's, uh, it's a big job. And I think, you know, I think that's another misconception about the, the CMO role where it's, it's super complicated and it's not a band-aid and it's not a bolt-on, but it has to be integrated through everything that you do. And I love your point about the, the product, you know, development cycle where it's kind of like, all right, we're going to build this product in a, on an island. Like nobody talked to us. And then all of a sudden it's like, here's this product that we made and, and marketing goes like, well, why did you do that? Like the customer doesn't care about these 50 things that you did. And this one thing that matters, you didn't even really address. Like why? Whereas if you were integrated into the process of product development, you could say like, no, based on our target market research, these three features super matter. These three, nobody gives a crap about. Hey everyone, I want to quickly interrupt the podcast for a special announcement. If you're listening to this podcast because you want to become a better marketer, then I want to share with you what I believe to be the most comprehensive digital marketing program on the market today. It's called the Digital Marketing Mastery Certification. You'll learn to leverage the tools and channels to predictably and profitably drive awareness, leads, sales, and referrals. Everything you need to know to become a true master of digital marketing. We'll take an in-depth look at the core digital marketing competencies, including content, email, social media, community, digital advertising, data and optimization, and more. After earning your digital marketing strategist certificate, you'll have the tools to effectively reach your target audience through a full scope marketing strategy. Get started today at digitalmarketing.com slash strategy cert. Uh, so, so how do you just just from that? Well, two questions. One is um, how do you differentiate your role in the product development cycle versus the brand development, uh, you know, process, which I think are pretty distinct things, since one's temporary, possibly, but definitely, um, you know, isn't as important as the brand in my eyes. Uh, and then, how do you also uh, take what you need to be involved with and kind of insert yourself in the product? cycle because i know product managers are like marketers it's not your turn yet you wait don't talk to us yet and then we'll hand you what you're going to sell uh how do you deal with those two situations yeah I, I think you're touching on one of the core challenges that we have as cmos and in particular if you've come from more of a kind of business marketing background um you know i go back to the four p's um the the framework of you know uh, product price placement promotion and um, so if you if you studied marketing in business school, that is what you know around marketing. And that is like that is the core of the business, right? That I mean you put innovation in there, that is the the, the core of the business and why it exists. And and so I think primarily in organizations, the CMO is siloed to or kind of pigeonholed to the promotion side, communications, you know, marketing communications. And we're not influencing those other stages around, you know, product innovation and development roadmap, um, the pricing and the packaging, um, the placement, I think we have a little bit more, um, you know, influence on. Um, but, you know, I think as CMOs, we do need to get earlier in those, in those stages. And what we have to be careful about is not 
um, being perceived as kingdom building. It's not that we have mm-hmm. to control all of that stuff. It's not that it, all of it has to report into us, but we do have to have a voice in the room earlier on so that we can one, bring the insights that we're seeing from consumers um, to that, to, to that kind of thought process. But again, whether it's product pricing and packaging, whatever it might be, um, and that we're coming alongside that, that, that you know, product team as they're getting closer to the release so that we can ensure that the, the actual launch of that is successful. Because mm-hmm. oftentimes what happens is it is a situation where the you know, product or R&D team kind of says, okay, we're about you know, three months away from launch, go get this to market. And, and now we have to go through our own process as, as marketers and do our own kind of consumer research um, to be able to develop a go-to-market plan. And oftentimes what we find in that research is there's a disconnect or there's, you know, some uh, inconsistencies in how we want to market it uh, to bring it to market versus the kind of actual you know, features of the product and things like that. So like I said, it's not about kingdom building. It's not about having it all report into us, but it is about us finding ways to be influential in those conversations and be involved early on. And, and actually, I, I can't take credit for this because I, I heard it from another CMO and, and I'm forgetting who it is, but I really liked the analogy, which is that um, you know the CFO and finance needs to be involved in all the investment um, discussions, budgeting discussions. In the end, those functions then have to go manage those PLs for their for their groups. But finance is involved in those conversations and influencing those conversations. And in a similar way, you know, the CMO um, needs to be influencing those conversations, even if they are not the ones that are day-to-day managing those functions. That makes sense. And so I, I think, you know, if you could just, well, so in terms of inserting yourself into that conversation, because I know that that a lot of managers are pretty, you know, contained, you know, oh, I got to deal yeah, with the CMO now. I just talked to the CFO. Uh, maybe, yeah. maybe if you approach it from a more educational, like, hey, you know, I know you're not ready to go to market yet. But if I understand what you guys are doing, I could do better research on the situation and then trying to work in uh, maybe the principles of the brand, the the vision for the brand and all those other aspects. Because you see it happen all the time where a product comes out and you're like, that doesn't even seem like the same company made that. Like, did they just buy this product and put it out? Because it doesn't feel like the brand. So in those cases specifically, do you think that's where the the disconnect kind of happened? Where yeah, I think it oftentimes can be a, a level of territorialism or sometimes it's just a level of speed. Like, uh, just I just don't have time to loop in this other team because we just got to get this done for our own goals, OKRs, you know, meeting our schedules and, and things like that. And so the, the way that I try to approach it is, you know, helping them be successful. You know, if they take a product to market and it's going to be unsuccessful, all that's really that is going to ha- happen is finger pointing. It puts us in a situation where it's like, well, it's a product issue and product team is saying it's a marketing issue. Mm. Um, and we can try to resolve that earlier on by being collaborative um, and, and you know, from a marketing perspective saying, hey, we want to we want to set you up for success when we actually go and launch this. So just keep us looped in on this these certain areas early on. Um, in a similar way, by the way, to the to the relationship with the sales team, you know, if you're mm. if you're in a, in a B2B or some other um, uh, uh, kind of industry where marketing is is working closely with sales, the, the, the challenge um, that you have there is oftentimes that the sales team is um, 
pointing fingers at the marketing team saying, well, the quality of the leads um, isn't good enough that, you know, yes, we have the volume, but the quality of the leads aren't are good enough. They're marketing qualified leads, but they're not sales qualified leads and those types of things. And of course, the marketing team, you know, is pointing fingers back and saying, well, no, we're delivering our KPIs to you. You need to do a better job of selling. And so I want to, I, you know, in the B2B case, I like to come along the head of sales or whoever my sales partner is um, to make sure that we're aligned on how we're approaching the funnel and the different, you know, logistics around that so that we are working as one team and, and not putting us ourselves in a situation where we're, we're pointing fingers. Cause obviously that trickles down to the rest of the organization. You don't want that. No, no. And I think, well, and the problem is the pointers are usually at the marketing, right? Yeah. Well, the marketing's yeah. not delivering or whatever it is. Uh, yeah. Anyways, but I, I think that's a really good synopsis of, well, one of the key jobs or one of the key responsibilities of being a CMO is managing these relationships, managing communication, and then uh, making sure that everybody's aware of the general strategy so that everybody's on the same page, which is a daunting task. It's not just, because people think of marketing, they usually think like, oh, you got to be creative or you get to analyze analytics. And that's kind of the job. It's like, no, people, people is the job. <laughs> like that's yes. most of it's all convincing it's all it's all marketing, you know, marketing yourself, marketing your concepts, marketing everything, you know, the companies, of course. Uh, but hopefully we didn't scare everybody away from becoming a CMO because the next question I have is, how did you become a CMO? You know, I think for for any marketer who's not an agency owner who does work for companies, like that's the goal is to become the CMO. So how did you get your former uh, position? And then how did you come uh, into this position that you have today? Yeah. Uh, so I, I've always considered myself the accidental marketer. I actually started my career in the entertainment business. Um, and it was during that time that, um, YouTube and Facebook and Twitter were all kind of launching and, you know, in the kind of mid two thousands. And I very quickly saw that their dynamic around entertainment was going to change. It was going to go digital. The, the, our audience was becoming the celebrity, right? Mm -hmm. When you get, um, you know, people posting videos on, on YouTube and are getting millions of views and we're struggling to get, you know, millions of people to go to the box office, to go watch a movie, the dynamic is changing. And so I wanted to kind of shift into where digital content was going to go. And I, I was coming at it, frankly, from a more kind of corporate strategy, corporate development perspective. Um, and, you know, moved from LA to New York was trying to figure out the career transition and got introduced to the founder of uh, an agency called Big Fuel, uh, which he had a very similar background in in content and entertainment. He had um, he was very early on in creating online content for uh, for brands. And uh, right when I joined, we had just signed on as the agency of record for all of General Motors brands coming out of bankruptcy. So it was Chevy, Buick, GMC, and Cadillac. Um, and it was the first major social social media agency of record kind of engagement in the industry. And so at the time, this is 2010, we were basically kind of inventing, you know, content marketing and influencer marketing, you know, as, as we went, didn't really, nobody really knew what we were, you know, what they were doing. We were kind of just creating this stuff. And the reason I got hired was because of my background in content and distribution and strategy, they felt like I could help them figure out how to successfully distribute all this content online. Um, ended up falling in love with marketing, ended up going to another agency that's now called Real Chemistry that was really deep in data and analytics, which I loved. Um, 
And at the same time that I was at Real Chemistry, I did my MBA. And, uh, you know, I took not only the marketing class, but I took an innovation class. I took a corporate strategy class. And all those I, I ended up seeing were just kind of different viewpoints on marketing. And, and, and one day I kind of woke up while I was in business school and, and said, well, shoot, like I'm a marketer. And, and I really hadn't identified as that until then when I realized I see the world through a marketer's lens. And it was about that time that I decided, well, if this is the case, then I really want to go be this, uh, the CMO of an organization. The, the, the former um, uh, chief marketing and innovation officer for Diageo, who was responsible for the keep walking campaign for Johnny Walker um, came and presented to us. And I absolutely fell in love with the idea of being able to do that for brands and decided I wanted to be a CMO. So within the within a year after graduating from business school, I left the agency world, got my first uh, in-house role as the global head of brand for WP Engine, which is a platform for building websites on WordPress, oh, yeah. helped them launch the brand as they wanted to go up market to support mid-market and enterprise uh, brands and the agencies that serve them. So it was also a really nice transition because I was kind of marketing to kind of my people and my tribe. Um, and then I got a call from a from a, a friend who was an investor um, at Restore early on, Restore Hyper Wellness. Um, this was in November of 2019. And uh, he said, hey, I invested in this, this great company. They're in the health and wellness space. Um, and their big hire for 2020 is going to be a CMO. Would you be interested? And as I, you know, did my research on on the organization, the modalities they offer, the approach, I really liked what they were doing. Met with the co-founders, really fell in love with the vision of what they were trying to do, and creating a a, a company that was more around proactive, preventative health uh, versus treating symptoms after the fact. Um, and uh, and so I decided to kind of go for that role. And so I started there, March of 2020. Uh, probably the worst time in history to start at a retail <laughs> company. Um, but was, you know, it, it, probably the best onboarding, fastest onboarding I've ever had in an organization, helping them kind of get through the early days of COVID, helping to keep the retail locations open as an essential business. Um, and spent three years there, you know, building the building the brand. We went from 13 million in system-wide sales uh in 2019 to 135 million in system-wide sales. Uh, in 2022, and um, so that's kind of how my, that was kind of my path to uh, to to CMO, and um, and I've really enjoyed kind of going from industry to industry and taking on new new kind of intellectual challenges of going from industry to industry versus being completely you know focused on you know B two B tech or completely focused on pharma and healthcare and things like that. Oh, that's that's super neat. Well, it's a neat path too, because most people, I mean, in marketing, we always say like niche, you know, riches in the niches. And it goes, it's true too for most uh, agencies or professionals, because if you don't have a specialty and you're not able to say, like, hey, I've helped 50 businesses in your industry. So of course hire me because I know what the heck you need to do. You want the other path, which is learning from all the different industries and now incorporating those lessons, which you're not going to have if you don't have that you know, uh, kind of cross industry experience into your new roles, which I mean, that, that restore story is, is fantastic. That's, that's incredible, especially because you started in 2020 when everything yeah. was being shut down and you managed to, to get the, you know, kind of essential business where you could stay open and then grow to over a hundred million. That's, 
that's enormous. Uh, so that sounds like fun. <laughs> and, and that's tough too, because I, I, I was in the fitness space. That is not easy. What you did is incredible. Thank you. Yeah, it was a it was a heck of a ride, a lot of fun, uh, a lot of you know chaos, chaos as you can kind of imagine, both with what was happening in the world and you know in just that hyper hyper growth stage. Um, but it but it was fun. And, and one of the things that I would say is, uh, you know, and this you know to the extent that I can give advice to your audience is really focus in on identifying what your strengths are. And so yes. There's a lot of CMOs that are going to say, I, I specialize in this industry. I can go from B2B tech to B2B tech company, and I'm going to give you the same playbook over and over again. I'm going to come in, I'm going to be able to create impact quick because I've done this multiple times over or CPG or whatever industry you're doing it in. Um, I realize my value is different. So my value, I, I've specialized in growth stage brands. Since I've moved to the brand side as a CMO, um, I specialize in growth stage companies. I help you go from kind of late startup stage with a bunch of chaos, but you know, good product market fit to a level of scale and focus that it's going to take you to kind of over hundred million in revenue and beyond. Um, and, uh, and so that is my kind of functional expertise and I know how to do that. And the way that I differentiate myself is that because I work in different industries, I can take the innovative marketing practices from different industries and bring it to yours and give you a playbook that's going to be different than what your competitors is. Cause that is the challenge, right? If you've got the CMO that's done three cybersecurity companies before, and they come in to your company, then they're just going to run the cybersecurity CMO you know, playbook. And it's the same thing that the competitor is doing. Um, and uh, and my approach is different. I want to take the best practices that I see across different industries and apply it to your business to give you something that's going to be unique and di- differentiated. Well, that's that's huge. Well, and that's a great way to to find your specialty too, because you know I think the easy obvious way is to go industry specific, but with marketing in general, it changes like every other day. So <laughs> whatever was hot like or worked six months ago will not work necessarily today. And so even these people who do have the industry-specific expertise and a playbook that maybe has been used a few times, it just doesn't matter because it's like, well, how does your playbook talk about AI use and marketing? And it's like, well, that didn't exist when I did this three times. So I'm everybody's on the same page. It's all the Wild West. And, and I think your, your ability to find your specialty and really define it uh, is huge and, and a fantastic tip for anybody who's looking to be a CMO. So thank you for that. That's uh, that's enormous. I have a million questions for you, but I think we could save that for future episodes. I think this has been a great introduction to you and what you've done. Uh, where can people learn more about you uh, today? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram. Uh, it's just at David Fossas, F like Frank, O-S-S-A-S, um, or on Twitter, which I'm not as active as I used to be, but that's uh, at D Fossis. Perfect. And then your new company is Staccato? Yep, staccato2011.com. Uh, and uh, and so we're hitting that growth stage right now. That's exactly why they brought me in. It's week two, and I'm excited to join the company. Awesome. Well, I would love to have you back on and see how you progress with this and say, hey, here's how he took staccato from whatever to you know $10 billion or whatever you're trying to get. So you have to All come right. back on. <laughs> Sounds good. I'd love to. Thanks.
Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dave, for coming on. And thank you so much for listening. Be sure to hit that follow button so you get notified when all of our new episodes release. Please share this with that friend who's clueless about digital marketing. And don't forget to visit digitalmarket.com where you can get access to all of our courses, certifications, and training programs. Thanks again, everyone. And we'll see you next time. This is Digital Marketing. Get ready for the two easiest ways for you to generate product photos for your e-commerce store. I'm Lauren Petrullo, founder and CEO of Mongoose Media and Digital Marketer Academy faculty member. I've managed over 50,000 SKUs for over 100 different e-commerce sites, and I cannot tell you the importance of quality product photos. Not only are they important for your website, but they're great to be repurposed in your email marketing campaigns, your paid ad initiatives, and your organic social media content. It's imperative that you have great photos because great photos sell your products and start conversations with your consumers. There are two great solutions when seeking out quality product photos for your e-commerce site. One, UGC. We know that native user-generated content wins all day on social. When you can get your customers to share back their use of your products in their voice, in their personal applications, you will see dividends when that is repurposed in your paid ads and organic social feeds. Secondly, don't have customers or UGC yet? Not a problem. There are cost-effective solutions in which you can outsource that photography. This and so much more is covered in my modules in our e-commerce cert with Digital Marketer.